It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. This show is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today, as always, excuse me, as always, this sh- I am Tony East, one of your hosts of this lovely show. I cover the Pacers for Forbes and the West Indianapolis Community News. Today is a big day because Sam Amick of The Athletic decided to drop a bomb that uh, DeMontis Sabonis is potentially on the trade block uh, being shopped to other teams. And to parse through it with me, the person I was DMing about it yesterday because I am annoying on Twitter, the founder of 8.9 Seconds, the writer for, man, wait, you were everywhere. You were at the True Hoops. You were at uh, BR for a second. Jared Wade, Jared, welcome back to, to Pacerland. Hey, thank you. Yeah, no, pleasure to, pleasure to chat. I probably should have asked you, or you what you wanted to be introduced as. You founded everything. You are like the Pacers dean of, of Twitter. Oh, man, I'm just the old guy who's still on Twitter is basically what I am. <laughs> so what were your thoughts originally right when uh, you saw the report? Um, I mean, it makes a little sense, to be honest. I guess the timing is obviously strange because the season starts, what, next week? Something like that? Um, but I mean, I kind of always been hesitant to believe that it will work with Domas and Miles together. Um, they both seem like fives in the in the modern NBA. Um, I guess we saw a little bit with Toronto last year of having two bigs could be a thing again that isn't like colossus colossally terrible. But at the same time, uh, who's guarding the stretch fours and stuff like that? So it's just it's just I'm, I'm skeptical that it's going to work. So it makes sense in some way to trade one of them now when they have like peak value and you can, you know, get something nice back. Yeah. I think we've all thought that part for a while, especially when the Goga pick came through, you know, we haven't seen him play much yet, but it's, it seemed like he was insurance right for this exact situation. But to me, the timing is what caught me off guard because like you said, the season's in what five, four days, Pacers start on Wednesday and all of a sudden they're like, okay, we're shopping a starter. Like this is an integral part of our plan for this season. Psych. Like, like to me, it, it was odd in, the, in that timing because of the games being so soon. Like even if you don't agree to an extension, just like, okay, we'll figure this out later. Like let's go play some games instead of let's change our plan. Right, right. I mean, we obviously saw that pairing last year a decent amount, but not like in a starting lineup um, situation kind of as the plan. Um, I kind of, in a way though, I've been kind of watching what Pritchard is doing to see if his view of team building kind of aligns with what I guess I think should be done. And, and especially with the Vic injury, I kind of see this as effectively going to be like a lost season, not quite as much as like the PG lost season, but cause I mean, he's going to be back maybe by Christmas, you know, and, and the season's really just getting going, but I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent. You're integrating all these new pieces. Um, you know, you're trying to figure that out with, with Collison gone fad, uh, 
Bojan, you know, so it, it's just unlikely they're going to overperform this year, probably, right? Maybe Absolutely. they'll maybe they'll gel it all together in the comps playoff time and they're gone on cylinders. I just doubt that's going to happen. So my, I'm kind of wondering, okay, Pritchard may be looking at it that way, and it's like, well, obviously it's not ideal to trade a starter uh, and maybe your only power forward on the roster virtually, aside from Warren can play there. Um, you know, days before the season. But if the season ultimately doesn't matter, then like you got to be thinking long term. You're thinking right. 2021, 2022. That's that's what matters here. So do you think like there's just no value in, in seeing them play together as starters? Like I think I think that's a valid thought because they weren't awesome last year at all. Like they they were good against some teams, but I mean I, I would call most of those teams bad teams. Uh, and against good teams they were less good. And maybe, you know, they both say more touches, more rhythm, more reps, all that. But if it, there's the, the thought line of just like, no, this is not going to work. And that's why you should just punt the, punt the, not punt the season, but, you know, do what you're saying of, no, this is a lost cause. Let's, let's pivot. I think there is value. And I bet Pritchard wants to see it. I bet he really does actually. Um, because even if I think there's some people who have been talking like, well, if they're terrible together, then the Pacers are like over a barrel and like the league will have them, you know, on leverage, which I just don't kind of buy that. It's not like Domas changes into someone who's terrible just because if he can't play <laughs> that well, he's still got his, you know, he may lose a little bit of value here and there, but like, I, I don't think he turns into an albatross type deal or something like that, obviously. Right. So I, I think it's fine to see them together, and I think Pritchard would like to, but I'm, I, I guess I do buy some validity of the fact that like maybe they are really far apart on money. I, I don't see how that happens. I don't know what, what Domas could be asking for that would be outrageous. I mean, even if he's just asking for the Miles contract, plus a million or two a year, or even three million plus more a year, I think that's reasonable. I think a Miles deal is really good. I think Domas on 20 million a year is fine. Um, so unless he's asking for like 25 or closer to the real max, I guess I don't know what that report would be like. They're very far apart. But if that is the case, then I guess that's that would be the impetus on the Pacers side to do it now. Like, all right, we're not going to sign him. He's going to be an RFA next summer. Again, not the end of the world either. You can just keep him and then trade later. But That's why you know the far apart wording is so interesting to me because he's a restricted free agent. So it's like... To me, if he's saying, I want $25 million, I would probably, you know, I, I understand that the Pacers cap situation says, okay, we can keep, you know, it doesn't matter. We don't have space anyway. Might as well keep him. We can pay him that much now. He's close. To, you know, he's got a chance to improve to close to a max player. Anyway, whatever. We have so many underpaid players. We can do this. But it's like, he's a restricted free agent. If he's amazing and worth $25 million this year, just pay him that next summer. Like, that's why I don't get how the far apart thing is such a problem and why that wording was chosen as like the 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 big part of it because you know I why would like Domas has a little bit of incentive to come down but not really because he's playing out of position but the, the far apart means to me that this is coming from Sabonis's side because why would any other team be like oh this is far apart like the Pacers have all the control no team wants to 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 take the trade for a guy that apparently wants too much money it's like the, I don't know the far apart thing just strikes me as odd given all the factors at play. Totally. Like I said, I, the only way I could see like the far apart making sense is if he's, if the Pacers are like really low balling and are like four for 60 or something, you yeah. know, and I mean, that's, that's a understandable value for someone who is proven, but not a proven starter. And it still, you know, has some of the limitations he has on defense and whatnot. But if it's, they're talking 60, Domas is talking a hundred, I guess that's obviously difficult to come through but i guess i guess it just 80 just seems like a reasonable number that everyone on both sides would at least consider like 
all right, this is where we can at least start from. And it's exactly what you say. I mean, I don't worst case scenario for the Pacers financially is he becomes a max play, makes the all-star game and he gets thrown the max next summer. I mean, that's a, that's a good problem to have. If you yeah. have to have oh no, we have an all-star. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe he's a little overpaid and you end up getting like a Tobias Harris situation where, you know, he's not clearly worth the, like the max max for five years, but like, I mean, whatever. And as you say, I mean, if it comes back to what he should be, he's on an incredibly discounted contract. Miles is potentially, especially if he's the defensive player of the year candidate every year for the next five, he's on an incredible deal. Warren's on an excellent deal. I think Malcolm's on a good deal. So even if you play, overplay one guy by $10 million a year, it's not the end of the world for this cap. Yeah, and and they still have the bench guys locked up for a while. They have all this youth. It's like you're not putting yourself in a sticky situation just because you're playing Domas, paying Domas, especially if, like we both, have acknowledged he's already good. Uh, I thought Kaylin Cooper had a good point here about the timing where she said, I think the pro of right now of another team potentially putting pressure on the Pacers with this situation is that they could sign him to an extension before the season, whereas they could not do that. And then they're stuck waiting for RFA. I think that's the only reason that this is coming out now, because I don't see what the pro for any party is. Otherwise for this to come out now, obviously Domas gets his extension, but if they're so far apart, then I don't think a report is going to bridge that gap. So that's the, that's the only pro of the timing. Now it's just, it, it kind of, it all caught me off guard because all summer, all we've heard, you know, Sabonis is in Lithuania talking to reporters. He says, you know, yeah, we're working on the extension. I don't think he said confident, but you know, the, the attitude and, and the words chosen were, you know, it made me seem like, okay, that he'll think it, he thinks it'll get done. And then Pritchard said to wish TV, you know, it's our, it's our priority. The word priority was used. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're really far apart. It's like, what the hell happened? You know, that's why it, it just doesn't all add up to me. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Right. And I think it was Woj on some sort of ESPN preview show or something like that. He was saying the Pacers are like thinking, I think he was saying that was the Pacers side that was thinking, you know, somewhere around the Miles contract was kind of like what they were starting at. That's it. That's fair to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just don't, I don't see how either side could think that's crazy. And, and it's the same thing. I, I don't really try to analyze whose camp is this coming from blah, blah, blah <laughs> stuff. And like, I trust Sam Amick as a reporter. I've known him for I a while. I think it matters though. It, it does. But I'm saying like, it doesn't really make sense from either side. Like you said. Right. Um, right. Um, and having the multiple teams out there, not that an agent wouldn't lie or, or know that possibly, but it, that sounds like more of a Pacers thing. But then historically, the Pacers don't really talk to the media like that. But then again, I'm kind of coming from a Larry Bird front office standpoint. And Pritch, Pritch's front office has been a little, I don't want to say leaky, but like, you know, there's been more stuff about them out there here, here and there since he's kind of taken over for real. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just a weird report more than anything. It really is. And we'll have to see what happens with the season in five days. But now I want to talk about two thoughts you have. You had to me yesterday that I think are both interesting to consider in this discussion. One is learning from the PG trade because, you know, I mean, we can be revisionist and be like, that was obviously great. They did exactly what they should have, but we all thought that was crap value at the time and they waited too long. I wonder, and you, you 
put this thought in my brain of, of if that is influencing them here of get it done earlier now. Yeah. I mean, it definitely could be right. Like it, that worked out very, very well. The PG trade could not have gone better, but it was almost an accident. Like, I mean, I, no, no one, don't, don't put the almost there. It, sure. I just want to, in case Pritchard listens to your podcast, I don't <laughs> want him to think that I, I don't believe he has any vision. Cause I mean, he, yeah, he, he identified two guys that, and he, in my opinion, was lying about it to the media to a degree, you know, like you're kind of putting a, a bow on it about how great this was and how good we think these, <laughs> you know, this kind of mid career vet who hasn't shown much is going to be. And then, I mean, Vic had, I mean, it's literally one of the best improvements I've ever seen. It was almost like a mini Steve Nash going to Suns type leap. It just, that doesn't happen when you're 24 and it did to him. So great for them. They pulled it off, but like, yeah, let's not try to do that again. That's not going to happen. So yeah, maybe it, maybe it was like, like if this happens and he's not signed to a thing and they're terrible and the Pacers are, I don't know, 12 and 34 at the all-star break and (laughs) you've got to make a deal, you know, then you, if you deal now, you're dealing a less unproven or less less poorly proven commodity as a guy who cannot play at the four in the NBA, right? And yeah, and if they're twelve and thirty four, that means the experiment didn't work, and Sabonis's value is lower, and now you're just you, you shot yourself in the foot, right? And if you don't think it's going to work long term, and you can't get him to the value deal you want, and he's asking for a hundred for four. I mean, that, then, yeah, it definitely makes a little sense to be like, we we got by the PG trade, but let's not do that again. I do wonder, too, if from his side, he's asking for probably more than he even thinks he's worth because he's going to be playing out of position and his value could fall. That's fair. <laughs> it's, kind That's of a, fair. it's kind of like a warped thought because he's good, and it's not like we've seen in the preseason, you know, He's playing almost identical to last year. He's just categorized at a different position on offense, at least. But you know, it's just—it's like his impact could go down. It just could. It's you know, you can't deny it. They don't work perfectly together. They're—they're—they have hiccups to get over. So I do wonder uh, if that has any any bugging in his ear. It's really hard because I mean, as you did talked about in the introduction, I used to write about the Pacers and the NBA more than I do now, um, and I've kind of since the cap spike summer came it's really just skewed my understanding of what people are worth (laughs) um you know we saw such big contracts and then again this summer some of those contracts i think tobias is the one that stands out a little bit um you know you look at deals like john wall and stuff and it's just some the money sounds fake here and there so for me even if domas is asking for 25 like that's probably a little much but it's not like crazy we're talking about like Buddy Heald, Heald, you know, trying to ask for the max and maybe he's not a max guy. But like if I'm Sacramento, I mean, you just give them the max, you know, being far apart from that situation. I don't really care what they do. So it's less of a real number to me. But like that seems sensible. But I maybe the Pacers are just being super frugal now. Maybe they maybe they're they've got a lead or some extra fear about this China situation. Um, you know, I mean, I know Simon is getting pretty old. He's been pretty old for a while and looks pretty good. But his son, I saw him over in India kind of talking on TV, right? He, so he's coming to the picture now. Not, not trying to say it's a secession uh, situation here, but, you know, like what maybe there are like team dynamics behind the scenes that they're like, they're just like, they're not moving off 16 million a year. That's what they've determined his worth was. And they're not. Um, and if they are not ever going to bridge that gap, then it makes a little more sense to try to move him now, right? 
Yeah, I like. Uh, I need to have you on more for these uh, popular TV show references that, that I'm, <laughs> I'm lacking now. I haven't seen that show yet, but I've heard excellent things about. Oh that. man, that's the best show on TV. It's incredible. Yeah, see, that's yeah. exactly. What, I've not heard a bad thing about it. And there was like a big, a big. There was almost like a red wedding style moment at the end of this last season. So, like, if you don't get on it soon, you're gonna end up getting. <laughs> Is it on something that I can catch up on? It's on HBO. Oh, good. Okay, everybody listening. Yeah, have you heard of the HBO? I have heard of the, I didn't watch Game of Thrones, so I never yeah, had home it. box office. <laughs> it sounds so weird when you, when you talk it out like that. So the other thing you said um, is the timing to you, you I, I feel word putting, putting messages in your, in, on this show, but you said potentially signal to me that Indy doesn't believe this can work. And that makes a lot of sense to me because that would be the timing. That would make the timing element make more sense to me is if, not that they would ever say it, but if, if, if there was an indication already that we had from the organization that they didn't think Domas and Miles could work together, then I would be like, okay, it makes sense that they're shopping him. But they've never said that before. But this signals everything. You know, like we said, they both seemed confident this summer. This seems to be like the opposite of everything we've heard before. So I think this that's absolutely right, that this is a signal that maybe they don't think this can work as well as they've said in the past. Yeah, I mean that that would be a little more worrisome if it was only about that because it, then it then yes, it's like then absolutely. it's like doing your homework, you know, at three a.m. the day before it's due. Like, why didn't you just do this? <laughs> Who would month? ever do that? <laughs> I mean, I do it every day, but <laughs> uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like that almost just as a process wise. Uh, something signals how their process goes in the front office. Like it's almost like a panic move at this point. It's like why are you waiting? You could have done this a month ago. Like they were, I understand they were, you know, both kind of doing things in the summer with their national teams and stuff like that, but it's been a while since then even, and this could have been done at any point in the last two months. Yeah, that's true. That we, is so true. I, so I also do not watch any preseason. and I, so I watched part of that India game just because it was kind of historic, but I don't know how they really look together. In the he was, uh, it's, Domas himself was awesome in that very first game. But they together was like 92, I think, offensive rating in those first two games. I didn't get the last two um, play-by-play to get the the stats with them both on the floor. But they had like 71 points on 77 possessions, which is bad. Um, bad is an understatement. That would lose you every game you played. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, I mean, from my standpoint, the offense is less of a problem than it the totally offense. It totally is. It totally is. The yeah, their defense, the offense even, will work. Even together, their defense was good last year, though. That's the interesting thing. And I know in my head, though, it's always been the opposite, right? The offensive rating has been bad with those two on the floor. But in my head, it's so easy to figure out how they should work together. Whereas on defense, the defensive rating has been pretty good, whereon I don't get how they fit together on that. And I know some of that is like, that's just how the Pacers play. Like, their offensive rating is great and their defensive rating is awesome. But at the same time, it's just like, how does this make sense? And I've never been able to figure that out. But in the preseason, you know, old patterns continued even with them, with the starters and Warren going off. And it's like, hmm, maybe this, is, you know, it's preseason. I don't want to, like you said, you didn't even watch it. Like, there's no point of putting a ton of stock in it. But it, it's just another data point for making me go, hmm. Right. It's interesting. Right. Do you want to do specific trades or are you not a big uh, muser of people? The NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Um, I just, I don't even, not watching preseason, not paying too much attention. I sometimes have trouble remembering who's on who, what team until yeah. the first week. Um, we can hit, we can hit the ones that other people have brought to light, I think. That sure. Way have to be. So the biggest one is Jalen Brown, right? That is the guy that, you know, basketball, like, like even outside of just value, like young guy for young guy, like basketball reasons, trades, right? They don't happen as often anymore, but that is one of them. The Celtics starting big man is Enos Cantor or some guy named Vincent Poirier. And the Pacers backup wings are McDermott, who probably isn't a rotation level player is very close and there's Warren's clearly good. And, you know, but they, you can never have too many wings in the minor NBA there's a good fit for both sides. And I think that is why that's been discussed so much. And I think that is an interesting first option. For sure. I mean, I have been a big Jalen Brown fan since he entered the league. I think he really broke out in that playoffs that his, his rookie year. Right. Yes. Um, since then, I know a lot of people have kind of soured on him. I feel like he was kind of terrible for Team USA this summer. <laughs> Maybe not terrible, but he didn't really grasp that by the horns, so to speak. Um, anybody, no, never, nevertheless, I'm still fairly big on him. And I, I, Me too. I mean, in my opinion, that would be, I'm hesitant to trade Domas at all. I think he's potentially better than Miles. I wonder if it's, they're going to make a bad decision by picking the wrong one here. But at the same time, I think Jalen, he still is young enough, still dynamic enough, still has the kind of five-tool baseball reference uh, skill set that can do everything on a court effectively, right? Um, I think he still has like all-NBA potential still. Wow. At least all-star. I personally you know? would, yeah, I personally would, would not go all-NBA, but I'd go all-star. I love Jalen Brown. I, I messaged one of my, my best Celtics friends, Max Carlin, last year, and I said, am I stupid for still having Brown as a higher ceiling than Tatum? And he said, yes, I probably am stupid for that. But I still stand by it. I'm a big Jalen Brown guy. And I think yeah. that is where all the talk will go. And we've seen speculation from national guys on that before. I don't know that that's necessarily a thing that's been discussed, but that seems like the natural swap. Yeah, and I mean, and, and really, like, as anyone like that who is a big athletic wing who plays two ways and um you know can theoretically play anywhere on the perimeter um that's why the other guy is a guy that the Pacers were rumored for two summers ago even though they never go for restricted free agents until Brogdon is Aaron Gordon and he fits the bill in a different way you know he's just the athletic freak he's putting it all together year by year he's still super young somehow he's only 23 he's been in the league for forever it feels like but he's good. The only trouble there is matching salaries. But you know, I, I don't know that the Magic want a center. I think you'd have to get three teams involved. But I know that people have, have sniffed around that being one too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the problem is, I guess, I guess Gordon is a little more like stretch y in the sense that he can he can fit into where you had Domas, where and Jalen Brown, I guess, technically can, especially next to Warren and Brogdon and theoretically Vic on the wing. But whoever you get, if you get like that kind of that natural three like a wing that obviously seems to make the most sense right i think like pacers with miles domas vic and brogdon is kind of their core four like you could see that working you kind of squint a little the defense doesn't doesn't get destroyed by you know stretchy teams could work but like it's just much easier to see a team that's like a more of a traditional backcourt at brogdon and vic a big good wing 
and then Miles. Like that's more of a traditional roster that can work. Right. Yeah, and if if you want to think about it that way, especially and that's what I that my first thought when they when they were like, oh, is a bonus might be in the market. I was like, who the hell is going to play the four? You know, Warren can, but I mean, with with Vic out, you were severely hurting something. They're not that they should intentionally trade him for one position just because of that. It's just something that right. But just like again, it kind of seeing from is how is Pritchard thinking about this? Is he thinking about 2021, 2022 and what the roster looks like that season when they're going to the playoffs and you know fighting against whoever else is in the league is in the league at that point, Zion in the finals, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> or is he really like, Ooh, we need to max. We need to make sure we win 46 games this year. Cause like, if he's thinking about 46 games this year, like that's in my opinion, like the wrong mentality. Right. Oh, absolutely. I don't even think they can win 46 without trading. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I think the hardest part for me, uh, like this, that services with Aaron Gordon. And I, I don't think we're getting anywhere naming specific guys, but sorry, I didn't mean to divert it. We can that, that's now. okay. I think the hardest part with trade is that he just, he makes $3.5 million. Like you cannot, that there's just not many legal trades that work without either a third team or extra salary. And that makes it so hard for me to, to, to think of what his value is, what, what the trade might look like. And just with the season so close, if it requires extra pieces, all of a sudden your plan change. And I know you said, and we both have talked about this season potentially not mattering, but like if the other team's plan is changing too. And all this stuff is happening all of a sudden. It's just like, really? The, the season starts the 22nd. It's the 19th right now. It just, it, I don't see a trade happening before the season starts is what I wanted to end on is do you think it happens now? I do not. No, I guess I, I don't. don't. Just because in general, it seems like when we hear stuff about Pacers trades, they never end up happening in the first place. <laughs> we just saw a big article about how they, they tell their players right before, right? That was the big thing from Jonathan Abrams Bleach Report piece is like they got pretty close on a trade with Collison and a trade with Al Jefferson. And they, they told them, Hey, we're, we're close on a trade. And then it didn't happen, but they knew that's like how they operate. But it, that yeah, never so got out. George Hill got told over a text message after it happened from what, I, from what reporting. <laughs> the old, the that's old a, that's uh, a, group. A different man. I know. <laughs> I was I, on that one. I was kind of surprised that Larry Bird even knows how to text. <laughs> I remember that trade. That was the worst. Every Pacers person was like, great. We just literally traded a better player for a worse player. Good times. Yeah. And it really, if you, if you, if you walk it backwards even further, that's Kawhi Leonard for Jeff Teague. Uh, oh, geez. <laughs> Is that how we're ending the Simonish? <laughs> are we going to no, have another trade? Like, I mean, what are the la- like, like, I guess, I guess Brogdon was technically a trade. Yeah. Right. Warren was a trade. So I had never heard, I had never heard either of those names. I think we kind of in the chatting, whatever had talked about Brogdon as a made it's signing. Sense. I don't yeah. think there was any, any sort of a, uh, reporting about that. Right. The PG trade and no one even considered that. So, no, I mean, no, never, Ramona Shelbourne no. shocked me with that one. We never hear anything about what's going on before it happens. So it's almost like sounds, seems more less likely now than it did before. <laughs> It, it does. <laughs> That's kind of funny. I was thinking the same thing. Just now that I've been able to, I, I'm sure if I'd come to all these thoughts that we have had just now, before this report came out, I would have said there's no way they traded him before the season. But now that this report has allowed me to have these thoughts, I'm like, wait, there's, there's just, there's really no way, right? There's just no way. Yeah. And like I said, I, I respect Sam quite a bit. And so I, I do take stock of this. Oh, he's excellent. He's excellent. He's not just going to be like fed bullshit by, oh, sorry, don't know if I can say that. You don't know if he's going to be fed stuff by reporters and just put it out there. Um, I trust him more than that. And some, some reporters are less scrupulous and stuff. So I'm sure there is some validity to this and who knows 
if this was just feeler calls that teams make every week, or if it's really like he's on the block and he <laughs> needs to be moved by Thanksgiving Day or bust, you know. Stephen A. Wade over here with the, uh, <laughs> the assessment of yeah, exactly. I think I think none of the wording was so strong too that it's like imminent deal coming, you know, discussions ramping up, you know, just like high asking price for an expensive player. That's like all it is. Okay. Cool. Right. It's just like super cheap, super cheap young guy. <laughs> Teams are interested. Like, you know, what? Like, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, you have any other thoughts on this you want to you want to share with the masses? No, no. I'm just uh, excited to get out of this NBA preseason garbage time when everyone's just speculating about nonsense. <laughs> and we actually get to throw the balls up. We can talk about a real game soon, which is exciting. Right. Uh, I also have nothing else, so I, I, I'm glad you were able to come on, Jared. It's nice to, to get you out of your hibernating pacers hole every once in a while. <laughs> no, thank you. It's a pleasure. You can re-enter the darkness. I hope you guys enjoyed uh, recently coming back from vacation, Tony, and recently coming back from vacation, Jared's thoughts on the uh, DeMontis Sabonis news. Me and Adam will be here on Tuesday to chat about the upcoming week, more Sabonis stuff, Goga's debut, and all that. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you soon. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.